Hello, and welcome to another episode of Nostalgic Mystery Radio. I'm your host, Stevie Kay, and it's my honor to bring you the radio shows of yesteryear. For this episode, I bring you Agatha Christie's Miss Marple, episode titled Nemesis, where Miss Marple reads a letter addressed to her from an acquaintance she met while on vacation, who was also recently deceased, leaving instruction to investigate a crime. Only problem is he failed to explain who was involved or where and when the crime had been committed. This will be a five-part series, so sit back and relax. And I hope you enjoy this Nostalgic Mystery Radio. Thank you for listening. The late Mr. Raphael had left me a legacy on the condition that I solved a mystery, the brutal murder of a young woman, Verity Hunt, for which his son was serving a life sentence. But then there was another death, that of the girl's headmistress, Elizabeth Temple, and that too looked very like murder. And there was the strange disappearance of another young girl, nor abroad to be accounted for. The sisters at the old manor house, where for a while Verity Hunt had lived, had invited me to stay with them again, and I had accepted, for I believed that somewhere in that place might lie the solution to the mystery. We present June Whitfield as Miss Marple in Agatha Christie's Nemesis. Darjeeling, Miss Marple. Your favourite. And those little scones you were so fond of. How very kind, Mrs. Glynn, and how clever of you to remember. I can't tell you what a pleasure it is for us to have you back here again. Curious. The way she is always exactly the same. Comfortable, no particular emotions or feelings. Almost too devoid of them. As if she's practised to show nothing to the outside world. We noticed you at the service for Elizabeth Temple, Miss Marple. And Clotilde, looking more than ever like Clytemnestra. But Clotilde has never had a husband to murder, though she looks capable of it. Surely, surely she couldn't have murdered a girl to whom she was so attached. I've been picking lilies. Just look at them. Oh, funeral flowers. That's what we ought to have today, isn't it? Oh, Althea, don't do that. It isn't right. Threw me the ground. Althea is not just scatty. She is frightened of something, but what? Is she frightened that her sisters might decide to put her into an institution? Decide that it is unsafe for her to remain at liberty? Lilies that best are smell far worse than wheat. <laughs> I'll go and put them in water. I really do think oh, she is getting worse. I'd better go and see what she's up to. We might break a vase. Oh, I am sorry, Miss Marple. Poor Anthea has these silly fits of laughing every now and then. I can see you are worried about her. Well, we don't want to, to send her anywhere, but I do think she ought to have treatment. Though I know she wouldn't want to go away from here. Oh, it's so difficult to know what to do for the best in these mm. cases. And now Lavinia is talking of going to live in Taormina. I think she doesn't like being in the same house as Anthea. She's definitely afraid of her. Sometimes I think we'd do better to sell this house and leave it all together. It must be very sad for you living here with the memory of the past. Oh, 
shadow of death's always hanging over this place. Won't go away. Once mine goes back to that dear child. She was like a daughter to me. I was so proud of her. And then this wretched attachment, that terrible, mentally afflicted boy. You're speaking of Mr. Raphael's son. Oh, if only he'd never set foot in this house. I'd never thought that Verity... Oh, I suppose it happens with girls of that age. I understand that he had a prison record. I tried to keep him away from the house. I told him he wasn't to come here anymore. Of course, that was stupid. All it meant was that she met him outside. He'd go off in his car and he'd bring her back late at night. Once or twice he didn't bring her back till the next day. I tried to tell them it must stop, but they wouldn't listen. I mean, Verity wouldn't listen. I didn't expect him to, of course. She intended to marry him? Oh, no, I don't think it ever got as far as that. I don't think he ever thought of such a thing. You must have suffered very much. Well, the worst was having to identify the body. I found her a long way away from here, in a ditch down a lane where people hardly ever went. Oh, the body was a terrible sight. The cruelty, the, the force that had been used. Why did he have to do that to her face? Wasn't it enough that he, he, he strangled her with her own scarf? I am sorry for you. Very, very sorry. Yeah, I believe you are. And even you don't know the worst of it. Really? I can never be certain about Anthea. Anthea? She, she was very jealous and... She suddenly seemed to turn against Verity. She looked at her almost as if she hated her. There have been times when I've thought... Well, she used to have these storms of rage. She did once attack someone. Oh, how terrible to have that doubt lurking in your mind. Oh, no, there's, there's no question of any such thing, but... Oh, if only I could be sure. No, I'm, I'm getting hysterical. Oh, terrible. If there's anything I can I'm, do... I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm... I'm going to go to my room. You mustn't pay too much attention to Clotilde. She's never really recovered from that ghastly business. She seems to be very worried about your sister. About Anthea? Anthea's all right. She has fantasies sometimes. It... What's that? Hello? There's somebody at the French windows. Yes, can I help you? We're so sorry to barge in on you like this. We were looking for Miss Marple. We did try the front door, but the bell didn't seem to be working. Do come in, please. The bell's rather temperamental, I'm afraid. We've met before, haven't we? Yes, at the Golden Boar, when you came to see Miss Marple. I'm Miss Cook, and this is Miss Barrow. Please, do sit down. Thank you. People at the inn told us that we'd probably find Miss Marple here. We thought we should let you know, Miss Marple, that the church we were telling you about, the one with the Saxon font, is closed for restoration. We wouldn't have wanted you to go all that way for nothing. How very considerate of you. What made you decide not to carry on with the coach tour? It seemed to us that it would be rather... rather bad taste after what had happened. Oh, yes, I do understand. A little cold-blooded. Would you care for a glass of sherry, perhaps? Oh, that would be very pleasant. How very kind, thank you. 
My sisters will probably be down soon. I'm sure they'd like to meet you. One can't help wondering what the police are up to. The police? Over the business of poor Miss Temple. They're obviously suspicious or they wouldn't have adjourned the inquest. Perhaps they're trying to decide whether that boulder just rolled down or whether it was pushed. But who on earth would want to do a thing like that? Well, there are always hooligans about and mad people. Although it has crossed my mind... That it might be one of the people on our coach tour. It wasn't exactly... Miss Temple was a stranger here. It doesn't seem likely that anyone living locally would have had any reason for killing her. Surely it's more probable that it was someone on the tour. Uh, have you any definite theory yourself, Miss Marple? Well, there are two people who spring to mind. I'm sure they're very nice people, but I mean there's nobody else logically who could be suspected. You mean that the person Joanna and Emlyn saw... Well, it did cross my mind that... Perhaps they hadn't seen anybody. You mean that they might have rolled that bowler down themselves? Well, they're the sort of obvious people, aren't they? Something that never would have occurred to me, but of course I don't know what these young people were like. Oh, they were really very nice, or gave the impression of being so. Or perhaps they didn't mean to kill Miss Temple. They may have meant it just as a, well, an act of anarchy, just killing anyone. And then, of course, they told the story of seeing someone up there dressed in some highly coloured pullover. It does seem most unlikely. <laughs> Certainly a very interesting thought. Well, if you'll forgive us, we must be getting back to the Golden Boar. Are you coming with us, Miss Marple? Oh, no. I forgot to tell you I've been very kindly invited to stay here for tonight. And tomorrow night as well. Well, I'm sure that will be very nice for you, Miss Marple, and much more comfortable. The new arrivals at the Golden Board do seem to be a rather rowdy lot. Oh, why don't you both come around and have coffee with us after dinner? I'm afraid we can't actually offer you dinner because we haven't enough in the house, but if you'd like to come round afterwards... Oh, very kind of you. And it's such a lovely evening. We'll certainly take advantage of your hospitality. They're a very curious couple, Miss Cook and Miss Barrow, aren't they? Do you think they might have done the murder? But why should they want to kill Miss Temple? But they might have been pupils to school or, or known someone who was. Someone who'd always hated her and had it in for her. Do you really think that hate can last as long as that? Oh, yes. I think so. You could hate someone for years and years. No, I think that hate would die out. It's not so strong a force as love. I still think there's something very mysterious about those two women. Don't you, Clotilde? Oh, I don't know about mysterious. They struck me as being rather artificial. I think they're distinctly sinister. You're imagining things as usual, Anthea. Anyway, they were walking along the lower path, weren't they? Well, you saw them there, didn't you, Miss Marple? Well, she wasn't there. She was here in our garden. Oh, of course she was. I forgot. And a very peaceful day it was. I enjoyed it very much. Tomorrow morning I should like to go out and look at that mass of white flowers coming into bloom at the end of the garden by that raised-up mound. Such a beautiful, tranquil spot. I shall always remember it. I hate it. I want it taken away. I want to build the greenhouse there again. Surely, if we save enough money, we can do that, can't we, Clotilde? What earthly use would a greenhouse be to us now, Anthea? It would be years before the vines would bear grapes again. We have argued about this over and over again. Now, let's go into the drawing room. 
problem. Our guest will be here for coffee any moment now. Oh, I can't tell you how pleasant it is for us to be in your beautiful old house. <laughs> you simply can't imagine how frightful the people are at the Golden Boar. Shouting and laughing and larking about. Coffee for you, Miss Marple. Oh, thank you. Surely you're not going to drink coffee last thing at night, Miss Marple. You won't sleep properly. I'm quite used to coffee in the evening. Oh, but not this kind of coffee. I shouldn't advise you to drink it. Believe me, Miss Marple, I'm quite an expert in these matters. Perhaps you're right. Uh, Miss Bradbury Scott, do you happen to have a photograph of the poor girl we were speaking of earlier? After all that the Archdeacon was saying about her, I should so like to know what she looked like. Yes, of course, there's, there's one over here. A young girl who was almost an adopted daughter here, Miss Cook, and who was most savagely murdered. You are. That was Verity. A beautiful face. A very beautiful and unusual face. Poor child. It's so dreadful nowadays. These terrible things seem to be happening all the time. Young girls going out with young men who might be total strangers and nobody taking the trouble to look after them. Well, they have to look after themselves and they've no notion of how to do it. God help them. Thank you so much for letting me see her picture. It does make... Oh, oh I'm so sorry. Oh, was that my fault? No, no, no. That cup must have caught on my sleeve. Oh, dear. I'll get you another cup. Oh, perhaps you'd prefer some hot milk? That would be very kind. Just when I'm going to bed, perhaps... Yes, of course. It's sure to give you a good night. Miss Cook and Miss Barrow stayed for a while, keeping up a rather awkward and desultory conversation. When the time came for them to go, they made a very fussy departure. First one and then the other came back to collect something that had been left behind. I'm so sorry. How very silly of There was Miss Cook's scarf and then her gloves. And then, finally, Miss Barrow's handbag. <laughs> and now we really are on our way. <laughs> Good night, Miss Marple. Thank you so much. Yes, thank you. <laughs> I must say, I'm rather inclined to agree with you about those two Clotilde. They don't seem altogether real, if you know what I mean. Mm. Yes, I have been wondering about them a great deal, too why they chose to come on the tour, and what might have been their real reason. Have you discovered the answer? I think so. I've discovered the answers to lots of things. And now I think I'd better be getting to bed. I'll fetch you that glass of hot milk. Would you like to have breakfast in bed in the morning? No, no, I would much rather come down. I shall want to go out into the garden while it's still fresh. And look at those beautiful flowers I was speaking about. Where the old greenhouse used to be. Oh, so sad. So very sad. I hope you sleep well, Miss Marple. But sleep was the last thing I had in mind. I lay with my hand not very far from the bedside lamp listening to the various old clocks all over the house marking the passing hours. I was wearing the old pink scarf that had so amused Mr. Raphael, my nemesis scarf. And then I heard the door of my room opening, very softly. 
I just came in to see if there was anything you wanted. No, thank you. There's nothing I want. I'm afraid that I have not drunk my milk. Oh, I'm sorry to hear that. I didn't think it would be very good for me. Not wholesome, you know. Not wholesome? I think you know what I mean. I think you've known all evening, perhaps even before that. What an extraordinary person you are. What sort of woman are you? One of my names is Nemesis. Nemesis? What do you mean? You're an educated woman you know very well. Nemesis, the goddess of retribution. What does that to do with me? A very beautiful girl whom you killed, Verity. And why should I kill her? Because you loved her. Of course I loved her. You loved Verity too much. She meant everything in the world to you. And then a different kind of love came into her life. Michael Raphael may not have been a very suitable specimen, but she loved him. And he loved her, and she wanted to escape. She wanted marriage and the happiness of a normal young woman's life. You seem to understand very well. Can you imagine what I have suffered? Yes, I can imagine it. In agony of knowing you're going to lose the thing you love best in the world. And to a miserable, depraved delinquent. I had to stop it. I had to. Yes. Sooner than let that girl go, you killed her. Because you loved her, you killed her. You can't believe that I could do that to a girl I loved. Crush her head to a pulp, disfigure her face. No, I don't believe you did that to Verity. The girl that happened to was not the girl you loved. Verity is still here, isn't she? I don't think you strangled her. I imagine you gave her a painless overdose of something in a cup of coffee or a glass of milk. And when she was dead, you took her body out into the garden, you pulled aside the fallen bricks of the greenhouse and buried her under the floor. And then the polygonum was planted there and has flowered ever since, growing bigger every year. Verity has remained here with you. You never let her go. Do you think you're ever going to get away to tell this story? I hope I am. But I know you would have no scruples. You didn't stop at one murder. You killed the girl you loved and you killed a different girl. I killed a silly little tramp, an adolescent tart. Nor abroad. How did you know about her? You could not have harmed the face of the girl you loved. I heard that another girl had disappeared at the same time and that her body had never been found. But her body had been found, of course. Dressed in Verity's clothes, battered beyond recognition and identified by you as Verity Hunt. It served a double purpose. What do you mean by that? You wanted to be revenged on the boy who had taken Verity away from you. You wanted him to be convicted of the murder you had committed. You arranged to meet Nora Broad in your car outside the village. You drugged her, dressed her in Verity's clothes and brutally murdered her. And you put Verity's handbag with Michael Raphael's letters in it 
beside the body. He was vile and contemptible. He wasn't worthy to touch her. A week ago, you committed a third murder, the murder of Elizabeth Temple. You killed her because she had come to this part of the world to meet Archdeacon Brabazon, and you were afraid of what Verity might have written to her or told her. You thought that once Miss Temple and the Archdeacon began to piece together what had happened, they would rapidly arrive at the truth. Rolling that boulder down on top of her must have taken some doing. But you are a very strong woman. Strong enough to deal with you! I don't think you will be allowed to do that. And who is going to stop me? My guardian angel. Ah! Oh, guardian angel! Quite possibly, too. Mr. Raphael never did things by halves. Don't move! Stay just where you are! You get away from her! Two guardian angels. Mr. Raphael has done me proud. And when did you realise that those two strange women were private agents? I wasn't absolutely certain until the moment when Miss Cook advised me against drinking the coffee. And then, just as she was saying goodbye, Miss Barrow pressed something into my hand. It was a high-powered whistle. And did you help her conceal herself in the wardrobe? No, it came as a complete surprise when she stepped out of it. But you knew they were in the house. I thought they would be at hand somewhere. They made such a business about coming back to fetch things they'd forgotten that it must have been easy enough for them to leave a window unfastened. You were taking a pretty big risk. One cannot go through life without taking risks now and then. I hoped for the best. Oh, I, I tracked down the parcel you asked me to investigate. It contained a brand new, brightly coloured pullover in scarlet and black checks. The one Clotilde wore when mm -hmm. she pushed the boulder down on Miss Temple. I was sure that that was what Anthea was taking to the post office the following day. Do you think that either Lavinia or Anthea suspected what had happened? Lavinia Glynn was not at the old manor house at the time of Verity's disappearance, but Anthea was. I think the truth came to her little by little. She was disturbed about the mound that Clotilde had raised over the remains of the greenhouse. I think she may have guessed what was buried underneath it. Her behaviour was so peculiar that morning she showed me round the garden, and she was evidently so frightened that at first I thought it was she who had committed the murder and not that poor lost soul, her sister Clotilde. Were you relieved that Clotilde escaped justice in the end? <laughs> escaped justice seems a funny way of putting it. She had suffered the misery of frustrated love and was tortured by the memory of what she had done. My glass of milk was standing there ready to hand when Miss Cook took me out of the room. Clotilde must have drained it in an instant. It wasn't an escape from justice. It was an escape from the terrible misery of the life she was living with the knowledge that the girl she had loved was lying there beneath that beautiful polygonum. Nothing worse could happen to her. I think that means that the person you wished to meet has arrived. Shall we go? Of course, Professor Wanstead. Michael, I want to introduce you to Miss Jane Marple, who has been so very active on your behalf. 
Miss Marple, this is Michael Raphael. Yes, I've been hearing about it. Thanks very much. Is it true they're going to give me a free parole or something silly like that? Yes, it's going through. You will be a free man in a very short time. It's nice to know. It will take a little getting used to, I expect. I suppose it probably will. It was very kind of you to have taken so much trouble. I'm very grateful. It is not me you should be grateful to. It is your father you really have to thank. My father. He never thought much of me. When he was dying, he was determined you should get justice. Justice? In the letter he wrote to me, he quoted these lines. Let justice roll down like waters, and righteousness like an everlasting stream. It doesn't mean anything to me. Where's it from? It's from the Bible. The Bible? One has to think about it. I had to. They gave me this. It's a photograph. They thought I might like to keep it, but really you are the person who should have first claim on it. Though it is possible you may not want it. Verity. No. You are right. I do not want it. All that life is gone. There's no point in trying to keep her with me. From here on, I've got to start moving forward. You understand? Yes, Michael. I understand. And I think you are right. Goodbye. And good luck. Thank you, Miss Marple. Goodbye. Well, he could have been a bit more enthusiastic after all that you'd done for him. Oh, I thought that under the circumstances he was extremely courteous. It is very embarrassing when you have to thank people and to start to see everything from a different angle. But he doesn't seem to me to be bitter. That's the great thing. I can understand why that girl loved him. Perhaps he'll go straight after this. Oh, I'm not so certain about that. I don't think he'll be able to help himself. What we must hope is that he'll meet a really nice girl. What I like about you, Miss Marple, is your delightfully practical mind. <laughs> a really nice girl. Congratulations, Miss Marple. A truly splendid job. Now then, about this bequest from Mr. Raphael that we are holding on your behalf, would you like us to pay it into your bank, or would you prefer us to give you a little advice on how to invest it? It is quite a large sum. Twenty thousand pounds. If you would like me to introduce you to one of our brokers... Oh, no, I don't want to invest it. Oh, there is no point at my age. I am sure that Mr. Raphael meant me to enjoy it. I'm going to spend it. And I'm going to have some fun with it. You don't think you ought to be putting some of it aside for a rainy day? No, Mr. Broadrib. Thank you for your concern, but the only thing I shall need for a rainy day is my umbrella. 
Good day. In the final part of Agatha Christie's Nemesis, Miss Marple was played by June Whitfield. Professor Wanstead, David Swift, Clotilde Bradbury Scott, Mary Wimbush, Anthea Bradbury Scott, Thelma Barlow, Lavinia Glynn, Louis Ramsey. Miss Cook, Tricia Hitchcock, Miss Barrow, Delia Lindsay. Michael Raphael, Peter Gunn, Mr. Broadrib, Geoffrey Whitehead. Nemesis was dramatised for radio by Michael Bakewell and directed by Enid Williams. Mystery Radio presentation. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Please feel free to like and rate this podcast on your favorite app. Also, there's a Nostalgic Mystery Radio YouTube page for your perusal to subscribe to. You can contact me by emailing me at nostalgicmysteryradio at gmail.com. I hope you have a blessed day or evening. And again, thank you for listening.